Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane for yet another week. Today on episode 69, we're paying homage to not a NASCAR driver, not an IndyCar driver, not even an F1 driver either. That would be one on two wheels. Confused? Here's my father as we call him, Papa Siegel, with more. Thank you, Davey. Back by popular demand, it's the NASCAR numerology segment of today's podcast. Today we hit the way back button on number 69. Three Dog Night used to sing about one being the loneliest number. They clearly weren't NASCAR fans. Otherwise, they might have sung about 69. Then again, they were popular in the 70s, so maybe they did. But I digress. Believe it or not, 69 is the second least used number in the NASCAR Cup Series. It's been raced only 105 times. Only the number 65 has been used less. No driver ever won in the 69. Johnny Allen got close in 1960. He finished second at Atlanta in the 44th race of that season. They used to run a longer schedule than they do today. Not only has no driver ever won in the 69, the number has been on the shelf since August 1992. So it's been more than 28 years since the number has been on the track. Poor old 69 has a similar nothing worth talking about history in the lower series ranks and even in other open wheel competition. So today we turn our attention to the two wheelers. Nicky Hayden famously piloted the 69 to a MotoGP World Championship in 2006. The Kentucky Kid, as he was known, raced in the Elite Series from 2003 through 2016. Knowing how dangerous MotoGP racing is, it likely comes as no surprise that Hayden died after a two-wheeler accident in 2017. However, he wasn't riding a motorcycle at the time. Instead, he was riding his bicycle. You hear that, Davey? His bicycle in Italy when he was hit by a car. He suffered a traumatic brain injury and he died five days later. Hayden was posthumously, that's a hard one, inducted into the AMA Motorsports Hall of Fame in 2018. So, we raise our glasses and toast the Kentucky Kid who, like Bill and Ted, I'm sure was a big fan of the number 69. Aren't we all? Back to you, Doof. I want to add parenthetically that I am shocked, or maybe not shocked, but I guess shook that my dad just made two 69 jokes on my podcast. That's that, I guess. Daytona Road Course, it debuted, and it was, well, it kind of was. <laughs> we'll talk about that, plus a Dover doubleheader preview coming up this weekend, and... Part two of our conversation with Heather DeBow. She's fun as always. We love her. But we'll start this episode off with not another 69 joke because my dad took care of those, I guess. As always, with a good old fashioned. 
Daytona Road Course makes its debut for four scintillating, super sensational races. Kind of. Let's go chronological order for a change. What do you say? Friday night, Arkham Menard Series in action. And <laughs> you're going to think I'm crazy when I say this. Arca was honestly the cleanest and maybe best race of the weekend? What? <laughs> I know. Crazy, right? It was Michael Self, the veteran, and Ty Gibbs, the youngster, who were battling side-by-side -side for the lead to the halfway break, and then they wound up battling for the win as well. Winds up being the veteran who wins out. Michael Self wins for the second time this season. Second time this season at Daytona, by the way. If you forget, it seems like an eternity ago, but he won the season opening race on the Oval. Um, it was between him, Haley Deegan, Drew Dollar, and Self was able to hold off everybody to the finish line. But as he says right here, Daytona is a very special place for not only him, his crew chief, Kevin Reed, and everybody at Venerini Motorsports. No, this is this is so special to me. I mean, anytime you win anything at Daytona, it's it's really, really cool and really special. Uh, obviously, to do this twice, you know, to win on the big track um, earlier this year and to come do this, this, this is a, a little extra special for me. I mean, road racing just has such a special place in my heart. You know, that's where I come from, um, I spend a lot of time when I'm not racing, coaching guys in the Trans Am series with the Mike Cope racing team. And um, to go out and to, to justify that, you know, to, to do what we did tonight just makes me feel so good because I don't, I don't get to race. I don't get to road race all that often. Um, and so this is extremely special for me. Self extends his Arkham Menard Series championship points lead, and it's probably going to be his championship to lose if he keeps up this pace. And we turn around and had an Xfinity race the next day, Saturday afternoon. No rain uh, interfered with that one, thankfully. And guess what? Same winner again. Austin Sindrick is on fire. He's hot. Somebody put him out. He has won five of the last six races. Road courses, ovals, it don't matter. Somebody extinguished this man. He dominates once again for the victory at the Daytona Road Course. We saw it coming, but still, the fact that he's able to do it, it's something else, man. Yeah, obviously it was, it was a lot of survival there at the end. You know, that's that's what makes these races as difficult as they are is to, is to make it to the finish. So uh, obviously we were a contender all day and uh, tried to get a race car a little better um, and obviously had to, had to fight through in that second stage to try and regain some track position. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just a solid day really up, up until that point. Obviously uh, being on the bottom on that restart, uh, I felt like I had made enough mistakes trying to come through the field, you know, diving three wide to the outside, knowing that there was a pretty big grip limitation trying to do that. So um, I saw it coming, but I, I was surprised that I did it too, uh, to be 100% honest. So uh, that obviously was kind of the catalyst for us today and put us in a great spot to be able to execute on a restart and come away with a win. Justin Allgaier and A.J. Allmendinger had a bit of a disagreement as well after the race. A.J. wound up spun spinning Justin out. Um, I forget which turn it's called, but it's the one that comes on to turn two. Uh, but Justin was not happy about that. AJ roasted him, though. He goes, I made a mistake. I've seen you make a lot of them. And then Justin goes, I have made a lot of mistakes. And AJ goes, so there you go. And I was like, oof, that is oof, cringe. So then we had the truck race Sunday early afternoon. He earned his first one of the season earlier this year in his career, but it was rain shortened at Kentucky, I believe. But this one was a legitimate good win for Sheldon Creed. And, man, he was feeling pretty good about it. He threw an S-bomb on TV and had an insane-looking mullet. So congratulations to Sheldon Creed, his first win, in regulation, that is, in the Shock Series. Honestly, just a little nerve-wracking under caution there when both of those cautions came out. Um, 
I think I had a lot of confidence by that time, so that helped a lot. I just tried not to get myself worked up and honestly just looked out the windshield and listened to Derek. And um, I did look up a couple of times in mid-corner when he'd be there and I'd just park it on the bottom so he couldn't get a runoff on me and just try to be really smooth. Uh, I lost the back like twice that last lap and um, he would get to me, but then I could get the tires back rolling. Um, but man, you never want to see those cautions, especially when we had a big lead there with five to go. You don't want to see those things come out, and, and it came out, and then it came out again. So um, I know a lot of people say I, I tear it up and I ruin it, which which I have, but um, today we finished it off, and it feels really good to get another win, get playoff points, really good points stay for us, actually, and then just uh, 50 grand. That's pretty cool. I don't know if I'll see much of it, but um, just thankful to be a part of it. I recently listened, uh, was catching up on my podcast, and I listened to Robbie Gordon on the Dale Jr. Download, and he talked about Sheldon Creed, name-dropped him a couple times, uh, being in the stadium super trucks world, and he was talking about how Sheldon is really, really talented and that he's seen that talent transfer over to trucks for now. Um, but I, I, I want to get in stadium super trucks after listening to Robbie Gordon talk about all that stuff, but that's an aside. So then we have the cup race, the main event of the weekend. It was relatively clean. Even though no drivers had laps on it in these cars, they were able to prepare adequately and not wreck a lot besides a couple instances that happened. Kevin Harvick spun around a couple times. Christopher Bell had a couple accidents as well. But there was no real carnage. I mean, especially going into turn one on those restarts, I thought that it was going to be crazy, but it wasn't. Um, What is not crazy also is road course king Chase Elliott winning again, which is exactly what he did. He won stage one and he won stage three, so not just five playoff points, but he gets six leaving this weekend. It's his third straight road course win dating back to the Roval as well as Watkins Glen from last year, and now he gets it done at the Daytona road course. And he's won four of the last six road course races overall. How'd you do it? I uh, just had really good cars, I think, more than anything. I'm not sure I did anything very special today, uh, but I had a really fast Napa Camaro, which... Um, you know, makes everybody's job a little easier from from my end driving it from Allen's end calling the race, um, and then from his end on on adjusting too. So, really fortunate from that standpoint. Um, had a had a really nice week of preparation. Um, came out and, and executed a really good race. So, really proud of the day. Uh, I think we have a lot to be proud of and and showing up, uh, having having the car like it needed to be, it doing what I wanted and then to take that and and um, get the result that, that I felt like we deserved. Crew Chief Alan Gustafson has some high praise for his driver. He calls him world-class when it comes to road course racing. Take a listen. He's really good. Um, I mean, he's just a very talented driver. And, um, you know, with any good driver, they have the ability to slow things down. And, 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 and you know, when you're running a new track or running at the speeds they run, they can slow it down to where – um, it's slow and they can make the right decisions and adjustments and he does a fabulous job of that and we knew really from the first time I worked with him um, at a road course I knew he was really good and just needed needed some experience and needed to understand the cars and I've mentioned this before we went to a Watkins Glen test his rookie year and we were able to find some things that he really liked uh, in the cars and ever since we've been able to improve on that. But, uh, yeah, he's a tremendous talent. I think he's a world-class, you know, race car driver, certainly a world-class road racer, um, and uh, just just did an amazing job. It's 
a daunting task, I'm sure, to come here and and not know anything about the you know driving the track. You can drive the simulators all you want, but you still to understand you know this tire uh, and the grip it's going to have on this surface when it's 100 degrees outside and traffic's around you and and all all the above is is a very difficult thing to do. So um, he did a great job, and uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of kudos to him. So why was everything so clean? Even though these are the best drivers in the world, you figure that there'd be a little trepidation and a little, I don't know, I guess you could say you'd expect the drivers to mess up a little bit at least. But no, here's runner-up Denny Hamlin on why everything worked out so perfectly because he actually went to chat with some other drivers pre-race about what they were going to do going into turn one. I don't know. Do you guys Are you guys cool with that? Or are you saying, no, don't, don't do that. It's a race. You're supposed to race. How do you guys feel about that? Here's Denny. Well, I think it's very fortunate we had a couple of races in front of us and that, that <laughs> kind of taught us a lesson. And so, you know, it was good. And, and Harvick and I actually, actually the top four, me, Harvick, uh, Truex, and, and Bush all talked right before the race. And we said, okay, when we take off, we're going to start braking right there. Like, you know, we're not going to have any secrets. Let's make sure we don't look like a bunch of dummies there in turn one. So uh, we, we made sure we kept it clean uh, to start, and then, uh, you know, you can get your bearings about you after you run a few laps. But, you know, really it, uh, it, it's one of those tracks where I feel like, uh, you know, it's not super technical, but it, it definitely rewards the guys that, uh, you know, do the right techniques on, on road courses. Martin Truex Jr. with his fifth, count him, fifth straight third-place finish. I don't know what this guy's got to do to get off the schneid and get a second or, God forbid, a win. But, man, he seems to really be married to that third-place finish. But, hey, podiums are cool, I guess. How much longer is he going to have to be in this third-place position? I mean, it's not bad because he could be running 30th instead of third. But, man, another good run for MTJ, the pseudo-road course king as well. I guess he could be like the road course prince if Chase is the king. That was a lot of fun, honestly. I mean, uh, you know, being the first time in a track, you don't really know, uh, you know what it's going to be like. So, um, you know, I really enjoyed today. I thought the track was more fun than I uh, – than I anticipated just from, you know, running the simulator and things like that. So, um, you know, really, really had a lot of fun and obviously uh, had a really fast pass for a Toyota and kind of messed up their speed on pit road and had to recover. So uh, to be able to come from the back in about 20 or so laps there is pretty tough. And, uh, you know, obviously proud of, you know, being able to do that. Wish we could have uh, had a little bit more time. I think we could have, you know, given them a run for their money, but all overall is uh, a decent day. And it seems like third place is uh, just where we're at right now. <laughs> How about giving a call to Kaz Gralla? He filled in for Austin Dillon for RCR, who unfortunately tested positive for COVID-19, but he seems to be okay, has mild symptoms. We're not sure about his status for Dover yet as of this recording. Um, But Kaz gets the call late Saturday night, or maybe Saturday morning, I don't know. He didn't really have any prep, um, because I actually talked to him for Front Stretch this week for a longer conversation. Feel free to check that out on my social channels, as well as Front Stretches and YouTube as well. It's all there for you. Really cool combo. But he had no prep. He didn't even get on the iRacing simulator that much. He didn't get in the actual Chevrolet simulator. And he wound up putting it inside the top 10 and getting a 7th place finish in his Cup Series debut with little to no notice. That is insane. He's the first driver since Carl Edwards back in 2004 to get a top 10 in his Cup Series debut. That is just insane. Wowzers. He said that he wanted a top 30 going into the race, and he did a little bit better than that. How about a top 10 
Hey yo. Well, there there wasn't as much preparation as I probably would have liked to make my cup debut. I did just find out yesterday morning that I'd be behind the wheel of the three car. Um, I knew the day before that they had said they wanted to bring me as a backup driver, um, which I thought was odd, but um, better to be prepared than not. Come to find out, it seemed like they, they had a feeling things were going to go this way. Unfortunately, Austin did test positive, but luckily his symptoms have been very mild and Whitney and Ace have been symptom free. So really good to hear that. I hope to see him back in the car next week, but uh, it certainly was an honor to get the call from Richard to fill in in the three car uh, today. And uh, and obviously it was, it was a joy to drive. It was a lot of fun. Those cup cars are a blast. There's so much power. Um, which I really enjoyed. So um, I, I was I was really happy to be able to have a day and uh, a, a good day and, and make everybody back at the shop. Richard Austin uh, proud today. Kyle Busch had another terrible day. Um, I mean, performance-wise, he was pretty solid. He was running inside the top five for most of the race, but he pitted with 17 laps to go, and he had a, a big brake issue. It was smoking from the right rear, so he took it behind the wall. They repaired it a little bit and went back out because. Since they don't have a win, they're not locked into the playoffs. I mean, they'll be fine based on points unless they finish last every single week uh, for the next three races and people behind him win, which is unlikely. But he came back out trying to salvage something, gets a flat tire uh, coming into the backstretch chicane, and he crashes. Uh, Just not a good week for Kyle Busch. Not a good year. It's still 2020, as he says. And Kevin Harvick, he had his top 10 streaks snapped. I think he had nine straight top five finishes which is insane coming into this race four wins in that span um but he got punted from um in the international horseshoe from christopher bell um miraculously nobody hit him and then i think another time he spun going on to turn two in the banking so not kevin harvick's best day that paint scheme looked great though might be getting myself a die cast of that um, with the national forest foundation for bush but hey the the streak's got to end sometime right this was this is a fine race. It, it didn't blow me away. I, I would have probably liked it if it were at Watkins Glen, but um, presidential candidate for 2028, I'm calling it now, Andrew Cuomo. Um, he didn't want us to come, us as in NASCAR, to go over there because New York had was at the epicenter of COVID, but now they're doing amazing, and they're doing amazing for a reason, and that's probably because they're not allowing people like NASCAR Circus to come in for a little bit. Although we've seen that there's been no cluster or breakouts from New Hampshire, Bristol, um, or any other place that there's been fans. Texas, which is kind of surprising to me. But, look, I mean, it was fine. I wouldn't mind if they came back here to race again next year. I also wouldn't mind if they didn't come back here to race next year. But I I don't want them to come back here at the expense of an oval race at Daytona because those races are really entertaining. But, I mean, if they want to make it a doubleheader-type weekend where – you run the, the Roval on a Saturday, and then you run the Coke Zero 400 on a Sunday. Um, I, I would probably leave the Daytona 500 weekend alone because it's so historic and it has so much prestige. I wouldn't mind if they did a Roval and Oval-type weekend. I think Charlotte maybe could take a couple notes from that. But again, like th- this is a fine race. You heard Denny and Martin say that it was a really good road course, and they enjoyed it. Um, I saw a tweet from somebody, and I forget who it was, but... They were basically the outlines of the Charlotte Roval and the Daytona road course. And they're pretty identical. And that's kind of what I was thinking when I was watching it. I was like, okay, like this is cool. It just feels like I may have seen this before. And it turns out that I have, but again, I'm all for change. I'm all for switching things up. I'm all for trying new things. And that's what NASCAR and everybody involved 
with making this happen did. So I applaud them for that. Um, I, I just don't want this to happen at the expense of an oval race at Daytona. But feel free to take away a date from Texas or anywhere else. That's boring. <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. So I welcome the change, and I really do applaud NASCAR for getting it together so quickly. And here's Scott Miller on whether or not this is a viable option moving forward. I think that, you know, I mean, we'd, we'd have to uh... – We'd have to give it an A, I believe. I mean, I think, you know, from the, from the start uh, with the ARCA guys um, all the way to, to what we just watched, I think it was a, a fantastic event. No problems with the racetrack. Uh, you know, the chicane on the front stretch, I think, really made it possible for the stock cars to run here. You know, I mean, I think you all read about some of the challenges with the speeds we would have seen getting into turn one without it. And... You know, everybody buckled down, got that work done, held up nice, and uh, really, you know, provided for an exciting race. So that's that. My thing, change is good. Not every single change you make is going to be amazing, but that's why you try it, to see if things work out. And I'm glad that they tried it, and we'll see if they do it again next year. Part two of interview time with Heather DeBow. You know her from last week. Pit reporter extraordinaire, all-around great gal. Um, part one, we heard last week as she she touched on how she got into racing, um, being a female in motorsports and the camaraderie that comes along with that, working at speed and reliving the speed days, some Steve Burns mentorship stories. That was really fun to hear from Heather. This second installment of our interview, um, you're going to hear it start out with her checking her phone battery to see if it actually is charging and if she can still hear me. So that's great radio. But we'll get a little bit more into the pit reporting side of things in terms of the K&M Pro Series, which is now Arkham Menard Series East and West, as well as AFT, American Flat Track, which is motorcycle racing, which I knew zilch about, you know, they existed until Heather was telling me about them a few years back. So learning a lot about that series for her as she went along the way and how it brought her to her now boyfriend, the love of her life. Also, her work at the Performance Racing Network as a pit reporter on radio, pit spotting for Regan Smith and Fox Sports, pit reporting on live television for NBCSN last year at Road America. That was an interesting challenge for her, and she absolutely killed the game, plastered it. And also her competitive spirit goes beyond motorsports when it comes to bodybuilding competitions. You got to hear Heather talk about this. It's some crazy, crazy stuff. But don't ask her to do a competition anytime soon because it's our little secret, but she's put on a quarantine 15 or so. But then again, who hasn't? And, of course, much, much more. So here's part two of our chat with Heather DeBow. By the way, what's your phone at right now? Is it about to so, die? So, yeah, I think it's at 9%. But well, can wanna... I can I check if I plug in, if you could still hear me okay? Yeah, of course. Okay. And we Let won't even see. edit this out. How is it'll it? be good. It sounds oh, fine to me. Oh, hold on. Okay. I don't know why. Why is it when I plug in, I can't hear you? I don't know. Maybe because you're connected to the car. Wait a minute. Who knows? Um, this is great radio. People. Let me see. Hold on. Oh. How about now? Can you hear me? I don't know. I Keep don't talking. Know. I'm talking, 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 okay, talking, talking. Okay, cool. How am I? Am I okay? You're perfect. Okay, cool. Good. We're Sweet. not even editing any of that out. Nice. Good. <laughs> um, as we move on, so... You wind up getting into the pit reporting side of things after the speed stage stuff and, like you said, some hospitality before that. Were you nervous for that as well because you didn't really have any experience 
pit reporting a live race because at that point you had done interviews with drivers live on camera, but you had never been doing it during a race broadcast, you know, during an actual race competition. You, it was more so kind of like evergreen type questions, stuff like that. So how did that come about and what was that experience like for the first time? Yeah, that was, that was nerve wracking. So Caitlin Vinci recommended me to the producer at the time. Hey, Heather DeBoe lives on the West Coast. I think she'd be a great opportunity. Was this uh, in like 2015? Option. So 2014. It would have been the summer of 2014 was okay. my first race. Yeah, it was July 2014. So, man, six years ago now, which is pretty wild. Because, yeah, like, so the she... first memory that I have was the Noah Gregson interview, which I know you oh, know gosh. what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, that, that one happened in 2015, I That's think. what I thought. Okay. I believe. Yeah. That sounds but it right. Was, yeah. It was somewhat early on. on. Yes. Early on. Yeah. So first raced, Caitlin recommended me. I live in Arizona, so I was good to go on the West coast. Cause it's obviously cheaper to fly someone from the West coast to the West coast, than all the way from Charlotte or wherever. Yep. And, uh, so my first one was at state line speedway in Idaho. I knew nobody, zero, not one person. I was told, Hey, Kip Childress is the series director. So when you get there, give him a call. He can kind of show you around. So Kip Childress was the first person I ever talked to in the K&N West series. Wow. And I knew not one person, not, not one driver, not one crew member, nobody. Like zero, big goose egg. So that was <laughs> extremely nerve wracking because I didn't know anyone first off. Then... I had never called a race before. I've never done live pit reporting, never listened to scanner, none of that. Well, I, I probably had listened to a scanner as like a fan, I guess, but I didn't even have one at the time. I had to borrow my dad's friend's scanner to like program frequencies in, which is a whole other thing because racing electronics is not at the racetrack. No, at the they are not. Race. Uh, so you literally have to get the frequency and manually program it into your phone. And how do you get the frequency? Oh, you got to go ask teams and then they don't know how they get. The and how do so I get the frequencies? <laughs> I ask Heather. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty wild because I was just kind of thrown in like, here you go. Here's the microphone. To the deep end. Into the deep end. And then you also had to know like the production company that was on site that was doing the line cut for the race and that I was working with knew none of them either. So it was a, uh, yeah, it was definitely like a, here you go. I felt like it went pretty good considering now those races are taped. So the good part about that is if you mess something up, just do it again. So you can do multiple takes. Uh, the only thing that isn't really a multiple take type of situation is when the driver's getting out of the car, when he wins the race, you kind of want to nail that one because you don't get to do it over. Like yeah. he gets out once and that's it. You can't be like, Hey, you, you can't like dry off totally with the, my question. you can't dry off after they celebrate or do it again. Exactly. So, uh, James Bickford actually won that race. That was my first interview. And yeah, it, but it was so much fun. I remember being like, oh, that was awesome. Like, and then they just gave me feedback. Like my producers would give me feedback on things to work on and every race just got better and better and better. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. And in the beginning, it's definitely nerve wracking because it's new, but sometimes that's the, the best part of it is when it's a new um, experience for you because you're so green and so um, like, you're not comfortable. So you don't know anything. So you're going to ask questions anyway, because you don't know anything. So it's almost the best place to be in is when you're new to a sport, because then 
you're learning it yourself so you can help the viewers at home learn it. Because yeah. when you start to get to know everything and you know everybody and you've asked all the questions, it becomes more difficult to try to think of other ways to say things or come up with new questions to ask because you've been covering it for six years and it's kind of the same people, kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm which you've also helped me with because many times we've been writing opens together for shows and I'm like, does this sound all right? What do you think about this? Thanks, Dave. So, yeah. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not only K&N and ARCA that you did. I know American Flat Track or AFT for some people that know it. That was also one of your specialties for a couple years. How did you get into that? And I think I know the answer, but I think the, the people listening may be a little intrigued. Sure. So every, every almost every job that I've gotten as an on-camera reporter has been because I worked with somebody else and they recommended me for it. So connections, American baby. Flat Track, yep. Connections. See, that's what I'm saying. It's all about who, you know, and the relationships you've built. So when you're working as a runner, getting people their iced tea, just make sure you're nice and smile. And even though you don't want to be doing it, cause they might put you up for a job later, you never know. Yep. Um, <laughs> so that particular one, I was in Daytona. Gosh, what, uh, I'm trying to think if that was, yeah, Daytona in February of 2016, potentially. Was that when it was? Yes. So I had gotten a text from Rick Allen and he said, Hey, uh, would you be interested in covering flat track? And I said, yeah, I'll do anything. And at the time I was not familiar with flat track. I didn't even know what it was, which I hate <laughs> saying that. I hate having those words come out of my mouth because that sport, that series is unbelievable some of the best racing i've ever seen and the fact that i wasn't familiar with it just bums me out at that time however hey it was what it was and um you're here to admit the, your mistakes and right your wrongs heather yes yes exactly and also like so i text him and he sent me a guy's business card who was like the cmo of the series um and so I was like, okay, I'm going to write him an email. Well, not even a day later, Kim Kuhn texts me and says, hey, do you want to do flat track? And I'm like, what? Like, what is happening? Because <laughs> she was approached as well. So thanks to Kim Kuhn, who's another one of my mentors, but good friends, but we mentor each other and help Forgot each other her out. in that list of uh I know, Instagram I know. People. But she we was didn't forget. We, yes. we didn't forget. We, we know. There's so many people to talk about. Uh, but Kim is awesome. And she ended up kind of negotiating our deal with them so her and i covered that series in 2016 when it was on fans choice and we did you know we kind of split the season i think i ended up doing five or six races she did the rest of them and then we did the season finale together but that's how we got into flat track is because rick allen was at a dinner with gene crouch who's who's now the chief operating off officer of the series and he said hey i need pit reporter and they said here here's a couple names and that's how it went so but that, that series is amazing. I've done um, Global Rallycross as well, which I don't know if I only did that uh, for one season, but that was also 2016. And how I got that job is I was at Phoenix Raceway and I was just there with some friends and they had had a rain delay and I was hanging out in the pits and Thomas Lanahan, who's a camera guy, ran by me, looked over and, and then looked at me, got on his little mic attached to his shirt and said, Heather's standing right here. Do you want me to ask her if she'll get on camera? And I'm like, what is he talking about? So at the time, Jim Trado was their on-camera talent, and he did the big screens. Well, he already had flown home because the race essentially had started and been rain-delayed, but he had already taken off. So they wanted someone to kind of do a semi-pre-race 
get the fans hyped before we go back green after this rain delay. And I just happened to be standing there. So he said that to me. Well, at that time, I was standing next to another gentleman that worked for Red Bull TV. And I had been talking with him and he had been and he gave me his business card. I was going to send my reel over. But he witnessed me literally standing there with my friends being asked to be on camera and just saying, yeah, sure, let's do it. And was like, oh, interesting. So, of course, when I sent my reel to him, it got forwarded along, and he may have had a little bit of influence. I'm not sure, but that's how I got the job to do this Global Rally This is, like, Rally crazy, Cross. like, the, the randomness of it. And the, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it all comes down to putting yourself in a good place and developing a relationship with somebody, but also just, like, oh, I happen to get a text from this person who knew this person, and I was standing here because it was raining, and then this happened. It's, like... Yeah. I hear so many stories like that. I mean, some have happened to me, but like, granted, you've been in it way longer than me. So it's like, wow, I can probably expect this certain instance to happen like 10 more times in the next two years. Like, it's crazy. Yep. Yep. And that's why I say, you know, say yes to everything. Like, I wasn't even working. I was just standing there and I just did it for fun. Like, I don't I don't believe. Yeah, no, I did it for fun. I just hopped on for fun. It was, you know, like maybe a half hour of running around and interviewing people. But in that moment, I interviewed like Todd Gordon you know, at the time he was Joey Logano's crew chief. And then I interviewed like a few pit crew guys and Greg Biffle was down there. Like I just ran around and interviewed all these people just randomly and then was like, okay. And after I was done, watch the race. It was <laughs> You're so like, funny. okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah. So that, so, but yeah, so I've done a lot. I've done, um, ARCA too. I did some mm -hmm. ARCA races and all that happened in 2016, which is wild because I did American flat track, ARCA, KN West. I did some PRN races, I believe. Yep. Uh, Global Rallycross. So I remember there was one weekend where I did three races in three different states. I worked ARCA in Pocono for Fox on a Friday, flew to Colorado National Speedway in Denver on a Saturday and worked that for KN West for NBC and then flew from there to Santa Rosa, California to work the season finale for Flat Track that year. So Flex I was all on them, Heather. Yeah, it was Jeez. it was the most exhausting weekend I've ever done in my life, and I wouldn't recommend it again. But it was it's neat to say that I've been able to do that because let me tell you, switching gears and yes, I meant to use that word from series, <laughs> not only just series, but from four wheels to two wheels, and not saying driver when you're speaking to a rider, it's a little tricky. Oh God, tricky, I can I can barely say car and truck. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah, and then Jeez. all the different names of drivers that are the same. Like Ryan was a really popular name. I remember that weekend because it was like every series had at least two Ryans in it. So that was interesting, but wow. but also fun. But I'm blessed to have had like so many opportunities to cover so many different things. And it's yeah. been nice because it's, it's fun to switch up uh, what you're doing. I always want to stay in motorsports, though. I'm not – it's not that I don't love – football and basketball and baseball I love stick and ball sports I just don't feel the same passion to cover them as I do motorsports because I love the fuel and the burning tires and the smell of it and just being in the pits while it's happening that's that's where I like to be so it's pretty cool I feel you on that give me mm -hmm. fuel give me five give me that with your Ooh, yeah <laughs> um I knew little to nothing emphasis on the nothing about uh flat track until I met you and you're like, oh, I do this. I was like, what is that? And I thought it was some like little thing on the side. And I was like, oh, wait, this is actually pretty interesting. This is pretty cool. And you taught me literally all I know about it. Um, and I believe that's because your boyfriend, Brandon, is heavily involved in that scene. Is that right? Yes, that's how we met. 
So Brandon, I met him in 2017. So I covered flat track for three years, 2016 through 2018. Um, I met him in 2017, but we didn't actually start dating till 2018. Like I knew of him, yeah. uh, but he was a crew chief mechanic for Indian motorcycle and Brad Baker was his rider at the time. And then, um, so he worked for them from 2017 through 2018. And now he works for Essence in Racing. And he actually moved out here to Phoenix from Indianapolis, where he was living at the time. Nice. Because uh, their shop is here. So it worked out because I live here too. And Perf. he's a crew chief for Colby Carlisle now. Um, so yeah, so it, it, it was nice because I love that series. But now I also found someone that I also love from that series. Aww. And it's been really awesome. I know. Oh, sweet moment. But yeah, Brandon's <laughs> great. And it's nice to have someone that's in the industry as well. Because a lot of people don't get how much you travel and how much you're gone and what act, what that all entails. Yeah. And when you're in a relationship, if you're the only person that does it, sometimes your significant other doesn't get it and it can cause some issues, whether it's a guy or a girl. So it's nice to have that understanding with Brandon 100%. and I, that we just, we just know how it is because we're out there. Um, it's a little bit of a bummer that we're not on the series together still because it's just convenient because that in 2018 we were at every round together. So that was nice. We saw each other a lot because I was still covering other series. So it was nice to be able to see him on some of the weekends, but yeah, it's, it's been fun and he enjoys it. He's, he used to race professionally himself for yeah. 10 years. So I, it's funny because some days I look at him and you can still see like, he definitely wants to be out there. You, oh, know, you, can, I see don't it. you can see it in his eyes. He's like, I want to be out on that bike <laughs> so but yeah but it's really fun and, and those guys that series if anybody hasn't watched they're on track pass as well i believe and yeah. they air on nbc they, they freaking fling it, that thing around there oh, oh my, my god it is insane yes yeah, so it's circle circle oval tracks on dirt they race half miles they race miles they also have um a tt course which includes a jump and then they have the Super Twins class, which would be like your Harleys, Yamahas, like those big bikes with the twin motors in them. And then you have a production Twins class and a singles class. So the singles look more like a Supercross bike. They're 450 dirt bikes, and it's just awesome. And they have some amazing racers in that yeah. series. So if you guys haven't watched, I highly recommend to tune in and check it out. Because if you think drafting is cool at Talladega, wait till you see those guys draft on a mile. It's insane. They're, they're not. It's insane. Yeah. I, I don't watch regularly, but I see highlights here and there. And if it's on track pass, I'll watch or something. And especially after you told me a little bit about it. And I was, I was literally in awe. I was like, how did I not know this existed before? And it's just, again, like NASCAR is always going to be my thing, but I think every motorsports fan should dabble in other forms of it, whether that be four wheels, two wheels, dirt, asphalt, whatever. Yeah. And that was that was a really, really cool sight to see. I know oh, I'm yeah. taking a lot of your time and your no, phone's okay. probably dying and you're probably hot in your car or whatever and you probably oh, no, have I'm to good. pee again. Um, but uh, I got a couple more for you and we can run through them quickly. You mentioned that you also do some work for PRN on the radio side of things. I've never called a race on radio. I've also never done it on TV. But um, I have experience in radio but not live broadcasting. How is it different specifically pit reporting for radio and pit reporting for television. I understand that obviously there's no visual medium for radio, so you need to be a little bit more descriptive, but in terms of preparation and execution, like is one harder than the other? Do you find one more enjoyable? 
Um, I think they're just different. I think the preparation going in is pretty much the same because you're going to do similar notes. Like you're going to still get all your notes on the same mm-hmm. drivers and everything. Um, one thing I like about radio is you don't have to necessarily look good to be <laughs> on it. So it's kind of nice because you can wear your sunglasses or a hat and like, you know, just kind of be like, it doesn't matter what I look like because nobody can see me. You'll just be um, chilling. Yeah, because some of these races, I mean, you go there and it's really hot. So you're sweating all your makeup off anyway. So it's kind of nice if you just don't necessarily have to put it on. That's one thing that I'm bad at. That's one thing I'm bad at is my least favorite part of being on camera is the hair and makeup because I'm not very good at it. Even though I'm a girl, it's just I struggle in that area. Well, you don't have it on for most of the day like at K&N races. Like we'll be hanging out all day. I'll we'll watch practice and qualifying. I'll come back, get some food, come back and you'll look like a completely new person. I'm like, Oh, okay. Guess it's time to record the open. Right. Well, because I can't put the makeup on cause it melts off because I sweat exactly. like a man. So, exactly. <laughs> so I have to, uh, so I've just learned that I'm just going to wait till later in the day because this is all going to come off anyways. So You're pros pro, you know, so yes. Yes. So makeup and hair, not having to do it for radio is a definite plus. And that just might be me. I don't know. Um, but it is different the way that they do things. You kind of mentioned it. You have to be able to paint the picture a little more when it comes mm-hmm. to radio because people aren't watching it. Um, and then, uh, sometimes things happen a little more live on radio. I know TV's still live, but you don't necessarily have to wait for that commercial break or things like that, where sometimes TV, an interview might be held because they're, they're covering something else. So you might have to hold a driver to do it where radio, sometimes you do that, but it's a little more like fluid. It kind of happens as it's happening. Um, and then sometimes just the way the pit producer will talk to you is a little different than TV and you have a little less people in your ear with radio. You just usually have the program, which is what everybody else is listening to. And your pit producer where TV, you might hear, like the director as well and other people chiming in. And so, and then the setup like different, cause I've done a couple or I did one race for MRN too, even just between MRN and PRN, the way that their audio equipment works is a little different. Um, cause MRN has talk back so they can talk to each other between the pit reporters mm-hmm. on another channel, basically where PRN it's all on the same channel. So once they go hot, you can't really talk to each other. So it's, so you kind of have the relay information. So it's definitely different, but I think, um, both are awesome because as long as things are live, I feel like that's where I notice the biggest difference, whether it's TV or radio live events are so much better because you don't have to think about it and you can play you off of other people. Yeah. Yeah, and the most challenging is on the tape-delayed races I've worked. Like, uh, Flat Track was tape-delayed for a while. Um, well, it, it's live now, but it's also ta- – it's kind of confusing to explain, but also K&N or ARCA West being tape-delayed. Yeah. And you don't have a booth in your ear. You're kind of having to overthink, like, how should I say this now? See, or how that's should I have a booth this time? Because I would think it'd be the opposite. I would think doing everything live when everything's coming at you and you have no real time to prepare, I would think that would be a little bit more difficult, whereas – K&N stuff I mean I mess around all the time and like walk behind you when you're doing your open and like try to get in your shot when you're interviewing people on the front stretch and you can obviously redo things if you mess up or if the driver messes up because these are little kids that have no experience you know being interviewed so I would think it'd be the opposite but it's interesting that you point that out and especially I think it was like one year ago this weekend or last weekend something like that when you actually made your national series debut on live tv at road america so 
I guess I, I think we talked a little bit about it then, you know, like you were pretty nervous heading in cause you wanted to kick ass, which you did, but also it probably seemed a little bit easier for you in the grand scheme because it was live and you didn't have to overthink things. Yes. Yes. So I, it's just a different kind. It's hard to explain because both are challenging, but it's a different kind of challenge. And then there's a different kind of pressure on you. So when you're live, you definitely feel pressure, but it's like, if you stumble over your words, you just kind of correct yourself and move on. And you don't have to like go back and do it again. If that happens when you're taped, sometimes that can really mess with you. And then you find yourself doing 18 takes because you yeah. literally cannot get the words out of your mouth. Cause when it's taped, um, you can like, you can afford to be perfect because the option is there. Whereas right. if it's live, you just got to roll with it. Right. And, and sometimes I just feel like I thrive in a live environment because I don't have time to think. Because right. when, I, when I have time to overthink is usually when I make mistakes on when I'm talking or I get tongue-tied or, or I forget something because I'm just not living in the moment as much as I would like to. But, yeah, I mean, it's different. I, I definitely think that live TV can be scary too, but I just, like I said, I really, I really enjoy it just because you have people to talk to like, and play off of. So it's just nice. I, even if it's not live TV, even if it's a live internet stream or things like that, it's just fun. You can have a lot more fun. You have people you can talk to and interact with and it just makes it better. But yeah, both pose different challenges for sure. So you just have to be prepared. That's the biggest thing. Be prepared, know your stuff, go into the weekend, knowing what you need to talk about. If a curveball gets thrown at you, just roll with it. Speaking of live TV, you also did a lot of pit spotting this year for Regan Smith and Fox Sports. Give the listeners in layman's terms the duties of a pit spotter. Because odds are that if they've had a hot pass and they've been on pit road, they have seen pit spotters. But I don't know if the average listener or NASCAR consumer really knows what they do. So in layman terms, you are a assistant to the pit reporter. So you're an assistant to Regan Smith, Jamie Little, Marty Snyder, Dave Burns, whoever it might be, Vince Welsh, whoever's on. Thanks, Dave. Good old Dave. Dave's another good mentor of mine. Anyhow, so (laughs) (laughs) they all are. Everybody I just named. So you're essentially an assistant to them, but you're like a second set of eyes and ears. So going into the weekend – when you're doing practice shows, you'll kind of help listen and scan the drivers out on the track and you write notes on a little notepad and hand them over so that they can try to sell it to the producer to then have it air on the show. So sometimes you're selling stories. Sometimes if something happens on track, you're quickly trying to find out what happened so that you can let them know. So during the race, Regan would have a certain amount of drivers that he'll listen to, and then I will scan the rest of them. And then as things happen, we might rotate and he'll tell me, okay, I'm on the four, you, you listen to the 11. And it's just another way that he can gather as much information as possible because there's literally no way for you to listen on your own and catch everything you need to catch. Right, because when I was like watching the sport for, I don't know, the first 20 years of my life, I was like, my God, how do the pit reporters know all of this stuff so quickly? Like they must have 10,000 radios and like two, two channels in each ear, like it's crazy. And then when I got to the track and I realized that there were pit spotters and that the PR reps also helped out the pit spotters and the pit reporters by handing them notes saying, here's what the driver's feeling, we're gonna pit this lap, whatever, I was like, oh, their job's still really hard, but it's like, 
not as hard as I thought. So I was like, okay, pit spotters are like very invaluable. So are the PR reps, the, the good ones that is. Um, so you did that for Regan Smith specifically this year. So I guess each pit reporter has their preferred pit spotter because they work well with certain people, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of going back to why live TV can also like the differences between radio and that. So radio, you don't have pit spotters. You're doing all that on your own. Mm -hmm. So live TV, you have all those resources. So not only does a pit reporter have the pit spotter, but like you mentioned, the pit spotter will run down and capture all the papers from the PR people on the adjustments. So if I miss something that I didn't hear on my side, I can go ask them, but you also have a pit producer working in the TV truck that can give you stats mm -hmm. too. Um, Cause they, the booth has, you know, analysts up there and uh, st statisticians that will literally give you anything you need to know. So there's a ton of resources in live television that the pit reporters can use. Now, don't get me wrong. They definitely do their homework and they definitely know what's going on as well. But they have these little assistants and people they can ask to get what they need to know. Um, and then for the pit spotters, there's a gentleman named Walter Cox. Mm -hmm. He's like the OG pit spotter. So um, he has worked with everyone and he's really, really good at his job. I've, I've been lucky enough that I've actually had Walter pit spot for me at an ARCA race. It only happened a couple times. That's but when it was you know fantastic. you've made it. Yeah, that's when you know you made it when you have a pit spotter. Um, but yeah, it definitely helps the pit reporters. Uh, they definitely had a little bit of a challenge when uh, coronavirus hit because yeah. they were only allowing certain people at the track. So I think that for the whole Fox season, I pretty, I'm pretty sure no, no pit spotter was yeah. allowed to go. Now NBC has had Walter out there now. So I think that now that things have become a little more lenient and they can allow more people to track, they do send some people, but I've only seen Walter, um, his son, Brian does it as well. And there's another couple people, um, that will do it here and there. Uh, but yeah, but it really helps to know who you're working with because you become comfortable with them. You kind of know what they're looking for. And Regan, when he was, you know, just getting into the pit reporting needed somebody and they had tried a couple people and he just wasn't really happy. And I remember I saw Walter and I was just, you know, looking for gigs cause I needed some work <laughs> and uh, he threw my name out there. So again, that's how that went down. But Regan's really fun to work with. He's really good at what he does and he brings a whole other different, um, I don't know, aspect to it because he is a driver. Mm -hmm. So it's really fun to watch him because he can walk up to literally anyone in the pits, like these crew guys, because they all know him too, which don't get me wrong, Jamie Little can do the same exact thing. She can walk up to anybody as well because she's built those relationships. But there's still, I feel like, something just a little different with a driver Absolutely. because he literally knows exactly what's going on because he's been there, he's talked about it with the teams when they've made adjustments to cars and things like that. Like he knows the ins and outs. So it's really, really good. But for me to take that job, is also a plus because yeah, I'm working for him, but I'm learning at the same time. I'm learning a ton because it's practicing, listening to the scanners, getting more comfortable doing that. Um, meeting the PR people because some of them know me, some of them don't because I'm not out there all the time right. on the cup series covering it. My face I believe is familiar, but not everybody knows who I am. So that's just another opportunity to meet those people because should I get the opportunity to work a race like that, It'd be great. Now that Xfinity race you mentioned at Road America, that was one of those standalone races and it was, um, the booth was remote. So Dave Burns and I believe it was Dale Jarrett was in the booth for that and they were in Charlotte and it was just Parker Kligerman and I 
on pit road, but because it was a one-off, we didn't have pit spotters. But the nice thing was, is because of it being like uh, remote like that, there was a little bit of a delay. And because it was a road course, it, a road course um, and road America is such a long track that if you didn't have something right at that moment, like there was time for you to find out what you needed to know to give the information that they were looking for. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that was good. Thank God. Because otherwise I would have been like, Oh my God, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) But that was, that was a lot of fun. So yeah, I mean, those pit spotters though, I would love, I, I was really bummed because I was supposed to work with Regan at, I think almost every race, but one of them, um, through the Fox season. So I was looking forward to that. So I was bummed that I was unable to be out there with him, but maybe next year we'll be able to do some of that again. Hopefully next year, everybody can get their jobs back and we can do things that we want to do. Hopefully next year. Yes. Who knows? That's what I'm putting out into the universe. I'm putting it out there because it has to happen. It It has has to, to. (laughs) you put it out there. If you build it, they will come as they say. Exactly. Yes. Let's end with an off-track thing. Um, I was texting you before. I don't know like what the proper terminology is, but um, competitions, pageants, I don't know. Like, Is there a specific term of these things that you do? And then I'll finish my question. Uh, yeah, it's a, a competition. Okay. So it's uh, like a bodybuilding competition. Exactly. So Heather is physically in tip-top shape. She watches what she eats like most of the time, but sometimes she has her days when she just wants like Cheetos and just a meatloaf or a cheeseburger. Um, But I mean, we'll be at the track and she'll have like dinner from Outback with like steamed vegetables and salmon. And I'm like just chowing down on some in and out. And I'm like, hey, what's got over? And it's just like embarrassing. Um, But the point is Heather uh, competes in these bodybuilding competitions and like your passion for fitness And also competition like fuels you to not only compete in these, but do extremely well. Um, And I remember like the first time I saw a picture that you posted of yourself in one of these competitions on Instagram, I literally was like, who is that person? Because it's just crazy (laughs) to me, like how crazy um, people like look in these things in, in an amazing way. Like the muscles are insane. The bikinis are insane. The toneness of it all, like it's incredible. So how did you start with these bodybuilding competitions? Like when did it start? How did it start? Why did it start? And are you still competing with these? Um, So first off, I just have to say that I am in my off, off, off season (laughs) and I definitely have gained the COVID-19 or however you don't need to explain yourself. I'm not explaining. I'm just letting everyone know that I am not training right now. I am not in tip top shape and I'm not eating as healthy as I should. Now I'm eating pretty good, but not on that level. So I'm just normal Heather right now. (laughs) Thank you for the update. Thank you for the update. No problem. But, um, so the bikini competition, so there is a bodybuilding competition. Um, bikini is just one of the the divisions of it and it's kind of the lowest level of, I don't know. Don't sell yourself short. It's, it's still a definite, uh, no, it's hard, but it's not like, a lot of people, when they think bodybuilding, they think like really jacked, like buff and stuff. Arnold kind of Schwarzenegger, people. yeah. Yes, it's not. They have those divisions. I'm not in that division. I'm in like the lowest of what would be considered bodybuilding as far as how big you have to be. You're get. in that That's division in my mind, okay? That's all that matters. Thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> um, a friend of mine had always talked about how she wanted to do one. I've always been athletic. 
Um, but I never pushed myself to see just how like toned or ripped I could get, but I've all, I was always curious about it. And so she introduced me to a girl named Felicia Romero, who is like a 10 time fitness cover model. She's an inspirational speaker. She's done competitions herself. She lives here in Gilbert, Arizona. Perfect. And, um, and so my friend kind of grew up following her career. Then she owned a gym here. So we had asked Felicia if she would help us do a competition. So we were going to do one together. Um, and that's how I kind of got into it. So we did, I've done three shows. I did three shows in the time span of a year, basically. Yeah. Um, but Felicia was my coach for the first two. And then I did my third, my third show with a, um, a gym called pro physiques. And my coach there is Debbie Goodman. And so, and they're on a whole other like level because they have pro bodybuilders that are also the trainers there. And they mm. go to like the biggest bodybuilding competitions like Olympia and they have multiple winners in multiple divisions that have come out of that gym. They're, they're insane. So when you work out with them and you're there, it's so motivating, but also extremely intimidating because people that are way like have been doing it way longer than you that are like in way crazier shape as far as what their division requires. You're like, Whoa, but also like, man, I can't believe I'm in the same gym with them. Yeah. So, but it's really cool. So I, I did it mainly because I wanted to see how far I could push myself and my body. Now it's very difficult. It's a, you have to have a lot of mental discipline to tell yourself you can do this. Don't eat that cookie. Now I'm not saying you can't have cookies because you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you end up going down a road to create like a, a eating disorder because right. that's not good. You want to do it in a healthy manner. However, you have to be disciplined to eat appropriately majority of the time. And then on top of that, the workouts are crazy. So, but really the food is like the hardest part for me because mm -hmm. I love to eat and I love to eat a lot. And sometimes people think like, Oh, you couldn't eat that. I'm like, uh, yeah. When I go to Chipotle, I get a burrito bowl and three tacos and I eat it all in one sitting. Uh -huh. That's and when we're in Meridian, Idaho for a canine race and we go to lunch, uh, and you order like we order two appetizers and you have like one and a half of them. And then you order like one and a half entrees. And then you're like, yeah, I could go for some dessert. And I'm like, what? And I'm just like, you're this, you're this like skinny woman. And I'm just like, you're an animal. I like to eat. <laughs> I like to eat. But, um, but yeah, those competitions were great. Usually it takes, so when you're prepping for a competition, that's what they call it. When you're in prep mm -hmm. is usually about anywhere from like 12 to 16 weeks. Some people need a little longer. It, dep it depends on how much you're wanting to develop your, to do, why can't I talk? How much you want to develop your body and to build muscle can take some time because also you're having to burn body fat as well. So you got to burn body fat while building muscle. And you, so you have to eat the appropriate portions and types of food and supplements to get to where you want to get it ain't easy. so it takes time it takes time so my first show i think we prepped for i want to say we only did three months which was short for my first show how'd you do um so first show let's see i think i got a i want to say it was like eighth and 11th in my class so i you can enter multiple divisions so they base it off of height they break you down into height they also do age so that to make it a little fair. So if you're competing against like someone who's in there, who's 19, their body's going to be a lot different than somebody who is 30. As far as 
because unfortunately time happens and the body works in mysterious ways. Yes, so it does. the older you get, the harder it's going to be for you to do it. Um, but they have different divisions. So the open class usually is all ages. And then you'll have your, you'll either be novice, which is like a beginner or masters or whatever. So I competed in two classes. I think I got like eighth and 11th, my first show or something like that. And then the second show I got two third place uh, finishes, which was good. Mm-hmm. And my third show, I won yeah, both baby. classes that I was in and then competed in the bikini overall, which means they put all the girls that won their division against each other. So it ended up being like five or six of us for the overall title of the entire show. So that was pretty cool. They don't tell you what you place in that, which is a bummer because I was Girl, you like, winner in my heart. Oh, well, thanks. But it was fun. And I was standing next to the girl who won. And usually what happens is they're comparing you to each other. And they moved us around a couple times. So my coach tells me that I was in the running. They they thought it was between like three of us. And my coach actually had three out of six girls up there competing in the overall. So she like totally killed it as far as a coach goes. And she thought it was between myself, our other competitor on our team, Nicole and the girl that actually won. Um, but it was, it was incredible. Like I was so excited just to be in the overall. Cause I didn't think, I didn't know. I, would, I don't know. It was crazy. I didn't think that I would win. Like I was like, wait, what? My goal going into them was to just do better than I did the last time which I accomplished each show. So that was great. And talking about it again, you're bringing up great memories, but it's really making me want the gym back because I really, (laughs) really, really, really want to do another one. I've unfortunately had to pause training with my coach because it's expensive. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. It's like a whole sport in itself. Like when you do a competition, you have to pay an entry fee. You have to get your, um, like league card, like for NPC is the division. I had to get a league card. You got to get your suit. You got to get your hair and makeup done. Some girls do their nails as oh, well. Yeah. You got to pay for the tan. On top of that, you're buying all this food. You've got your protein powder and supplements and then your trainer. It's, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a lot. No, it's, it's a lot. And it costs quite a bit of money if you, uh, so you need to be prepared. Like you'll, you'll spend a good pretty penny on it, but I definitely need to get back into it. I've, I've unfortunately had to take a break training from my coach. Like I mentioned, it's kind of expensive. It's like, $60 a session. So oh, if you're paying shit. $60 a week, you guys can do the math, which I can usually afford. But right now I'm just trying to be a little on the safe side because I haven't been working. So I can't just spend money on like yeah. random stuff. <laughs> Pick it back up when uh, things get yeah. back to normal and kick some more ass. That's yes. my, that's my advice. Yes. And, and really what I really need is just the gyms to reopen because our gyms were open and then they closed and then they reopened and they've shut them down again. And now they're fighting to get them back open. But for me, it just would be nice because it's so hot here. Like it's a hundred degrees outside. So if you're going to work out outside or run or whatever, you got to get up super early to knock it out. Otherwise it's just, you'll, you'll die. Even I've seen people out here running at this time of day and I'm just like, okay, you're a little crazy. So good luck with that. But, (laughs) but yeah, but I can't wait to do another competition just because it's, it's empowering. It makes you feel good and hard work, you know, like just being able to like do it because and it's nice because as I'm getting older, like I used to do dance competitions. So it's like another form of a competition where you're on stage and you're performing, quote unquote. So it definitely, um, it's nice. I yeah. enjoy it. I'm looking forward to getting back into it. And I hope to do one 
soon, sooner than later. So maybe next year, because I need some time to kind of get, like I said, I'm out of shape. I'm like, I'm in shape for a normal person, but way out of shape for a competition level. <laughs> you gain your Corona 19. That's all that, that's all that needs oh, to yeah. be said. Oh yeah. And Which I think is okay. We all needed to. Oh, I've, I've, we all needed to. I have. And then some <laughs> don't even feel bad about it. Um, well, listen, you've made it almost two hours since this zoom call was started. Um, we're, you're going to be the first person that has their appearance on victory lane broken up into two parts because you're that Wait. special. Um, oh, I have no more questions, but I just need to say this publicly because on a personal note, and I, I know I, I do it all the time, but I needed to thank you publicly for how instrumental you've been in my short career, albeit, you know, three, four, whatever, how many years, because you're, you're always my go to, whether that's to run something by you, to put me in contact with somebody, just to lend an ear to hear me vent about my different exploits and annoyances with certain people and uh above all else like you've been an incredible friend and an incredible professional resource for me so and you mean you mean the world to me so before i cry i just needed to tell you that because you mean a lot to me and i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for that publicly because i know whenever you recommend me for something or say hey talk to this person like i really do appreciate it, like from the bottom of my heart but i needed everybody to hear that too because it's not just lip service okay i needed you to hear that of course, anytime, Davy, and you know that I thank you too, and I feel the same way about you. And I, if I didn't believe in you and didn't know that you could freaking do this and kill it, and you're so good, and you deserve an opportunity, and you're gonna get that opportunity, I'm telling you again because you gotta hear it. Just keep pushing. Like you, you have a lot to offer. You have a lot of different aspects about your talent that are so good. So don't give up. You're gonna be great. You are great but you're going to continue to do more. And I will always be here for you to help you out. And just so everybody knows, Davies helped me out too a lot because <laughs> not only just to vent to and talk to a wonderful friend, but quite literally there's been days where I struggled at the track and couldn't get my head on straight. I have and written Heather's brain opens for wasn't working. Or so yeah, he's written, he's written some opens for me, or at least we've written them together Correct. and we like to joke about it, but he's just so quick witted and so quick with it that sometimes I'm like, Oh, help me. I need some help. So you've been, you've been awesome. I'm glad that we've become friends and I'm glad that our, our paths have crossed. And I hope that, you know, in the future, I know things are so crazy right now, yeah. but I, I do have a good feeling that eventually it's all going to work out. And then all these opportunities are going to come along and we're going to still be like continuing to help each other and put each other in contact with the right people to keep doing what we love. You're damn right. I, I will say I probably don't love you as much as our mutual friend who's probably listening at this point, Christian Espinoza does, but I'm somewhat close. So I think that deserves a trophy in and of itself. And also, I just want to say about me helping you write your opens, it is literally like the highlight of my trip when we're standing in the NASCAR hauler and Becky's there, Liz is there, all the other officials are coming in and gearing up for the race and you're like eating your food and you're stressing out. You're like, I just don't know what to say. Should I start it with this? And then I grab my microphone that I'm holding right now and I do like a fake open just literally off the dome and you're like, oh, that was pretty good. And then Becky's like, wow, that is pretty good. And then Heather's like, yeah, he's going to take my job one day. And I'd be like, yeah, we'll see if that ever happens. And that literally happens like every single time. And yeah. what, what I would give to walk behind you during your open and give you a thanks, Dave. You have no idea what I'd give to do that in person at a track right now with fans there. Oh, it's, it's I know that would be great. And by the way, I'm working on cutting together 
a new reel or demo reel to be able to send out to people because I have a lot of footage that I haven't gotten to. Check it out on Heather's social media handles. Yes. And I just want you to know you've made it on the demo reel multiple times Good. because you're standing in the background and it's so awesome. I, every time I watch it, I just laugh because we made that pack like, okay, try and get in every shot. So you, <laughs> you and Diego are in yep. a couple of them, but you are in so many that like, it's just like, oh my gosh, like we were at so many races together and I forgot about it or didn't even realize it. And then here it was like, Oh man, there's Davy again. There's Davy again because I'm literally <laughs> looking through all the races from oh, last man. season, and I'm not joking. You are in ninety percent of the opens. Oh yeah, like <laughs> literally. How it worked is like you would be like, "All right, I'm about to do my open." I'm like, "All right, bet," and I would follow you. You would set up, and your camera operator, I think, for some of them, was his name George. George, yeah. Yeah, I remember George was the man, so he knew what was up. So I would always just like pretend that I'm on my phone tweeting something from the home tracks account, which I honestly probably yeah. was. Um, and then I would just walk behind you. Not, not like super blatantly obvious, like close behind you, but close enough, like that you could tell it was me. And like, maybe I'd give an occasional glance up to the camera and be like, Oh, yep. That's me. And keep walking. But just yeah. know if you watch Heather's reel and you see me in the background or whenever she gets back on camera and you see me in the background, it is not by accident. Just know that. Yes. It's planned. I should probably actually make a reel of just all my opens with you in them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then when we both make it big and we have our own show together and we create like the Speed Network 2.0, this can be our calling card. Oh, that'd be awesome. That could be our open to the show. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> well, this has been so fun. It's been so long in the making. I've literally had this idea in my head for a while and I've had like a bunch of questions written down for you for whenever we were able to do this. So thank you for driving to the Walmart parking lot. Thank you no for uh, taking the time. And again, thank you for everything. This is so fun. Yes. Awesome. I'm glad we got to catch up. All right. Go home and pee now. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> That's so funny because I do have to pee all the time. <laughs> and we're back. That was a whirlwind, wasn't it? Two episodes, two parts with Heather, but man, it was great. And, and I meant what I said at the end there. Like Heather has probably been one of if not the most influential person when it comes to helping me professionally as a mentor um and it's funny because like she she considers me like the same way but i'm like no like she helps me way more but she's she's amazing um she's amazing as a person she's amazing as a pit reporter she's amazing as a pit spotter whatever she does she kills it she kicks ass and i'm glad that i'm her friend and i'm glad she gave me the time and i and i hope you guys really enjoyed that chat as much as i did because felt like we were catching up and I was just learning a little bit about her career, stuff that I already knew, stuff that I didn't know. But regardless, Heather, we love you. We thank you. You're the best. Let's quickly preview this upcoming weekend at Dover International Speedway, the Monster Mile. We got four racing series in action. Arca East and Trucks on Friday. Xfinity and Cup on Saturday. Xfinity and Cup again on Sunday. And guess what? Sound the alarms because your boy's going to be on site. It's on site, fam, for real. I'm excited. Uh, I will be quarantined in the turn one press box, so I won't really be able to get any access, just like we've seen all the reporters that track for NASCAR races, unfortunately, don't have that much access. Although I've seen at IndyCar at the Indy 500, there's reporters that can do socially distanced media bullpen interviews, which, man what I'd give, <laughs> what I would give. I was texting with Jeff Gluck last night and he was like, dude, it is so amazing. And I was like, yeah, I, I can only imagine. But I will be on site in the turn one press box for frontstretch.com. I believe my colleague, 
Dustin Albino may be there as well. So it'll be the Davy and Dustin Dover doubleheader double. Say that five times fast. Davy and Dustin Dover doubleheader double. We've got to do some marketing or something around that because that's too much alliteration to be true. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoy our coverage. Be sure to follow along all the social channels, frontstretch.com spelled out on Instagram, frontstretch on Twitter, like our Facebook page, all that jazz. Gonna be fun. And I'll post all the stuff for mine too. Is this the weekend for Jimmy Johnson? God, I freaking hope so. Look, I told Kaz, um, or no, I told Marco Andretti, who I also interviewed this week for NBC Sports Washington. Feel free to check that out on my Twitter, uh, Facebook as well. YouTube, really cool conversation with Marco. But I told him, since he's the pole sitter for Indy, that the media doesn't root for drivers, but we root for storylines. And that is a hell of a freaking storyline that Marco's on the pole. And if he can win, oh boy. So I told Marco we were rooting for his storyline, and he was really cool to chat with. So be sure to check that out too. But anyways, I digress. Jimmy Johnson is the storyline this weekend. He's on the playoff bubble. He's yet to win a race this year. He didn't win one last year. It's his final full-time season. We're coming down to it. This is the track where he's been the most dominant for his entire career. He has double-digit wins. He has the most wins all time here at Dover. I think 10 or 11 at this point. My first ever race I went to in person, Jimmy Johnson won. The 2002 MBNA 400 at Dover. I want to see Jimmy Johnson win so freaking bad. And on a selfish level, I want to see him do it in person. But God. Oh, Jimmy, please just come through for us. I, it could be the weekend. I mean, people are saying if it's going to be any weekend, this may be it. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think next week might be that option because Daytona has a lot of unpredictability. But at the same time, he's not good on super speedways historically. I mean, I know he has a couple Daytona 500 wins. I know he's won at Talladega a time or two. But he's not that great historically on super speedways. And he hasn't been good in recent years as well. He's crashed out a lot. So maybe next week is not the best shot. Maybe this is his best shot this weekend at Dover. Maybe the Charlotte Roval in the playoffs will be his best shot, even if he's in the playoffs or maybe if he's not in it. I don't know. But all I know is that I want to see Jimmy win so bad. And maybe maybe this will be the weekend. Maybe the racing gods will say, you know what? One time for the money, two time for the show, three time to get ready, four time for seven time at Dover. I don't really know what I just said, but I'm going to roll with it. What about Kyle Busch, too? When's his crappy year gonna end who who knows I mean he had a bad end to the race last week at Daytona road course with the brake failure and the flat tire as he says whenever something goes wrong it's still 2020 <laughs> so I don't know man I mean I know he has a couple wins at Dover too but you don't think Kyle Busch and Dover in the same sentence you think of Jimmy Johnson you think of Kevin Harvick as of late you think of Chase Elliott you think of possibly Kyle Larson as he got a win there uh, I believe last year maybe or two years ago I forget but, man, is Kyle Busch going to be able to turn it around? Maybe just getting a couple top five finishes or a few in a row leading up to the playoffs. Maybe that can get him some type of momentum. But at this rate, I don't know, man. We'll see. I, I won't be shocked, though, when I see the usual suspects out front. Harvick, Hamlin, Truex, Keselowski, Logano, Blaney. I won't be surprised when those people are running up front. But who knows? I think since it's a doubleheader weekend, we could see one of the races decided on a late race caution, maybe a strategy play. I'm not sure what tire compound Goodyear is bringing, but I do know that depending on what that is, the loads at, at this racetrack, specifically Dover, are going to be astronomical, especially on the physical component for the drivers too, because they've said they have been dreading a doubleheader weekend at Dover because of how physically um, 
I guess you could say intimidating it is because the loads that are put on these drivers are absurd because you're going down into the corner and coming up. It's just a lot of G-forces in a little bit amount of time. Who knows? Maybe we'll see strategy play out and maybe Jimmy can get that dub or maybe he can get it on raw speed. Either one, man. I, I just hope he gets it because it's going to be cool when and if he does. Uh, and this weekend should be focused on Jimmy because it's his last time coming to the Monster Mile as a full-time Cup Series driver where he's had so much success. So who knows? We'll see. Arca Race and Truck Race Friday on Track Pass and Fox Sports 1. Xfinity and Cup Races on NBCSN, I think around 1 o'clock or noon, and then 4 o'clock p.m. for each Cup Race on Saturday and Sunday. Lug Nuts of the Week! Cue that funky music, white boy. Jimmy Johnson also revealed his throwback paint scheme for Darlington. He is honoring the other two seven-time champions in Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty. The side of the car is adorned with some black, and the front hood is adorned with the Ally logo, but in the STP font. And I think the number is also in the Petty font on the roof, and then maybe the side has the Dale Earnhardt slanted three, uh, but in the 48 symbol. So that's pretty cool. I will say it's not the most visually appealing throwback paint scheme that I've ever seen, but in terms of, like, principle, it's probably one of the most cool and one of the most badass ones that I've seen. So that's pretty sweet. 2021 Daytona 500 tickets are now on sale. Hopefully things will be in a place next February where we can all attend that race and feel safe and be okay with it. Maybe full capacity, maybe half capacity. I don't know, but they're selling at full capacity. So, you know, Florida gonna Florida, full speed ahead. Mike Harmon Racing, unfortunately for them, they had a trailer, vehicle, and dually stolen in Georgia. They're offering $5,000 as a reward for anybody that can help them find it or provide information and they were in the headlines too for the xfinity race because those two cars were on the front row for one of the final restarts and they caused a heck of chaos uh back in the pack but that was crazy to see that their cars say stand for the anthem i really wanted to photoshop it and say turn for turn one because i think they forgot to justin marks is planning on starting a cup series team next year called track house and it's going to be focused on stem which is science technology engineering and math so it'll be interesting to see if Mr. Marks can get that team off the ground and running. You would think with Next Gen being pushed back to 2022 that they would just kind of lay low for a year and then try to debut then. But, hey, Justin Marks is a, is a shrewd entrepreneur and businessman. The man's hiked Mount Kilimanjaro or Everest. I forget which one. So I ain't going to doubt him. Speaking of Next Gen, they're going to test that car once again at Dover on Monday and Tuesday, the first test since the COVID-19 pandemic halted things. Cole Custer is going to be the wheelman behind that test car. Uh, there were some pictures that were floated around of the Next Gen car at the Daytona Road Course this past weekend. Not sure who took those. Maybe it was Jerry Jordan of kicking the tires, uh, but the car looked interesting. I will say that. Um, speaking of cars looking interesting, SRX, they announced another driver this week to compete Elio Castroneves, IndyCar legend. So now I think it's Elio, Bobby Labani, Paul Tracy, Tony Stewart, and somebody else that's slipping my mind right now. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm excited for SRX. And in terms of the penalty report leaving Daytona, only two minor infractions. Rodney Childers and James Small, crew chiefs for Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex Jr. were both fined 10,000 big ones for one loose lug nut unsecured on their vehicles. That will wrap things up for episode 69, the nicest episode of Victory Lane 2.0 that there will ever be in the history of episodes. 
Please do me a favor. If you like what you heard, if you like my dad's 69 jokes, if you liked Heather DeBow, please leave a rating and a review to this show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. I think it's called Google Podcast now. I'm not sure. Um, SoundCloud, we're anywhere that you get your podcast usually. And if we're not there, drop me a line and I'll try to fix that problem for you. But I do appreciate you guys' support as always. If you're one of my family members listening because of my dad and not because of me, well, I guess I'm glad you're here anyway. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you back next week for a very special guest. I recorded an interview with him today. Let's say that he's been in the news lately for positive reasons, and I've known him for a little bit on the NASCAR k Pro Series Touring Series side of things. Real cool dude, and I'm excited for you guys to hear our chat. Catch you on the flip side.